0: Lecture notes. The Socratic method. Socrates used a teaching strategy, now called the Socratic method. Your textbook defines it as a question and answer dialogue in which propositions are methodologically scrutinized to uncover the truth, which is a pretty good definition. In plainer language, the Socratic method is Socrates' method of using questions to unpack the claims and belief of his conversation partners in an effort to get closer to the truth. The Socratic method is not employed to mock or make fun of the person speaking. It certainly can be used in such a way, but it should never be used to mock or shame, but instead should only be used as a tool for learning that allows the student to reason through a complex issue for themselves. However, ultimately, I think you cannot understand the Socratic method without seeing it in action. Please be sure you have carefully read the primary text excerpts, both the one from the symposium and the Republic, in your chapter that show the Socratic method at work. Philosophy classrooms still use the Socratic method on a regular basis. This is part of why discussion and dialogue are so crucial to studying philosophy. Here's a really simple example of how the Socratic method might play out in a contemporary philosophy classroom. Student, I don't believe we have any free will at all. Teacher, so you will not mind then if someone steals your wallet after you leave class. Student, no, of course I would mind. Teacher, but it would be determined for someone to steal your wallet if there's no free will. The person stealing it would not do it from their own volition, but rather out of something else, whether their biology determines them to act, or whether God determines them to act. Student. But it would be their body. Teacher. Sure, but what if I hypnotized you and then convinced your body to slap another student in the face? Student. Oh, well, that wouldn't be my fault. Teacher. Yeah, so if someone acts without free will, we can't blame them or hold them responsible. Student. I guess. Teacher. But you still think that we should hold people responsible. If someone stole your wallet, you would blame them. Student. Sure. Teacher. So then, you must believe in free will after all. Reductio ad absurdum. One particular form the Socratic method can take is known as reductio ad absurdum an argument where one or more statements is assumed to be true at the beginning, and then absurd or contradictory or false statements are derived from that original assumption or set of assumptions, which shows that at least part of the original assumption is wrong and should be rejected. In other words, we start from an assumption or several assumptions, then we reason through the consequences or implications of that assumption, and eventually we stumble upon something absurd. The English word absurd is sort of present in the Latin phrase reductio ad absurdum. More specifically, it's not that we're looking for something absurd, but we're looking for something logically problematic, i.e. a contradiction. If we can show that the person is committed to believing two contradictory things, then we know that something must have been wrong with the original assumption or assumptions. So then it's back to the beginning. Maybe we'll throw out all of the starting assumptions. Maybe we'll just revise them, maybe we'll throw out one assumption but keep the others. Which route we take is just the task of doing philosophy. Again, please be sure you have reviewed the primary text excerpt from the Republic in your chapter, The Dialogue Between Socrates and Thrasymachus. This provides an example of a reductio ad absurdum. Try to identify the starting assumption in that excerpt and then figure out what contradiction Socrates draws out.